August in our church, for many years now, we spend the five or six weeks that we have when it's the school holidays looking at the Psalms. And we've been doing this for years and years. So this year we are starting on Psalm 69. So you need to turn to Psalm 69 in a Bible. Me and Tim must have had the same thought this morning because you're actually going to participate in the reading as well. You have to join in with the children's talk. You're going to have to join in with this as well. Um, I just love the fact that in the Bible, in the Psalms, we have a psalm here that starts, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. It's so honest, isn't it? Sometimes we feel like that. This is a psalm that starts with kind of rising panic. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling, but actually... God recognises that that's, that's real, and it's in the Psalms, and there's so much we're going to learn from this this morning. So the way we're going to read this is I'll read a verse, and then you can all read a verse, and then I'll read a verse. We'll just take it in turns. It's going to be up on the screen as well. Um, Rachel's going to help me, so when she's reading, you read, and hopefully we'll get through the whole Psalm together. Um, yeah, so Psalm... 69. It says, for the director of music to the tune of Lilies of David. And it says this, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. You, God, know my folly. My guilt is not hidden from you. Lord, the Lord Almighty, may those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. For I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I am a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my own mother's children. For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. When I weep and fast, I must endure scorn. When I put on sackcloth, people make sport of me. Those who sit at the gate mock me, and I am the son of the drunkards. But I pray to you, Lord, in the time of your favour, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me, from the deep waters. Do not let the floodwaters engulf me, or the depths swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love. In your great mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Deliver me because of my foes. You know how I am scorned, disgraced and shamed. All my enemies are before you. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. 
for comforters that I found them. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. May the table set before them become a snare. May it become a retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. May their place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in their tents. For they, they persecute those who wound and talk about the pain of those who hurt. Charge them with crime upon crime. Do not let them share in your salvation. May they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. But as for me, afflicted and in pain, may your salvation, God, protect me. I will, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. The poor will see and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts live. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. Let, Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children, children of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will dwell there. Wow. So there's a lot to take in in that psalm, and I'm so glad that um, Tim's going to come and preach to us on those words. Let's just commit um, what we're going to do to the Lord, Uh, pray for those who are away as well, and then we'll look at Psalm 69. Gracious Father, we thank you that we can be here this morning, and we thank you that whatever our week has been like, uh, whatever we're going through, that we can look at your word, especially Psalm 69, and we trust we can be encouraged and helped and challenged. And we do just pray that this morning that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit, through your word. Father, we do just pray that it would be real and relevant to us. I thank you for one another. Thank you that we can be here. We know many are on holiday. We pray you bless them where they are. And for those who are on uh, contagious camp or beach missions, um, we pray for them. May they they have a good week as they seek to share the good news of the Lord Jesus with those who don't know that good news. So, Father, we do just pray you'd be with us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So um, Jess has mentioned that we are going through, well, each summer we go through the Psalms. And so last year, Neil finished the end of the summer on Psalm 68, which means today is Psalm 69. And um, Jess said we've gone for many years. Well, there's many more years to go. We're not quite halfway yet. So um, come for the next 15 years or so, we might get to the end of the Psalms. But um, We're going to look at Psalm 69, and there are 150 psalms in the Bible, right in the middle of the Bible, the songbook of the Bible, and we're going to look at the psalms. Now, many people um, have tried to classify the psalms, and so, for example, Psalm 136 is what they might call a psalm of thanksgiving. Um, I I can't read what it says on there. Psalm 1 is what they might call a wisdom psalm, a psalm... 51, is that what I've got on there, is what they call a penitential psalm. So each psalm is often classified. They categorize them into different um, themes, if you like. 
So when it comes to Psalm 69, how do we categorize Psalm 69? And the boffins have come up with two words to describe this psalm. So it's categorized in two different ways. One is this word, imprecatory. All right, what does that mean? Okay, so what the, the, um, the experts use that word. It simply means it's where the author is calling for God to bring judgment and disaster and curses on those who are perceived to be the enemies. So it's one of those tough psalms, they call it imprecatory, where we're calling down curses on the enemies. But the other, um, can you read that on the screen? Possibly. Um, The other categorization is what they call a messianic psalm, where it's simply saying, this is, although it's a thousand years before Jesus was born, this psalm is talking about the life of Jesus. All right, so he's got these two themes in Psalm 69. It's calling down curses on the enemy, but it's also pointing to the Lord Jesus. And therefore, you've got two sermons for the price of one, because we're going to go through the psalm twice. And the first part will be from David's perspective. So David, who wrote the psalm, as he is calling curses on his enemies, we'll go through the psalm once. And then on the second pass, we'll do it from the, the perspective of the Lord Jesus, what it says about him. And I've got, well, probably about 17 minutes to go now. By the way, don't, don't time me, because you'll tell me afterwards I've got too long. Just to say this, in the book of Romans, um, by the way, this is the ninth longest psalm. It's 36 verses, so we're doing all of this in 20 minutes. Um, but in the book of Romans, Romans 15, the apostle Paul He says this, he says, For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the the reproaches of those who reproached you, um, you fell on me. And that is a quotation from Psalm 69. So Paul, when he's writing to the Roman Christians, says, This has been written. He quotes Psalm 69 and then says this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope so paul is saying quoting psalm 69 saying this is written so that we might know how to live when life is tough and also it's written to point us to the lord jesus so using psalm 69 the apostle paul says The Old Testament tells us how to live, and the Old Testament points to Jesus. So that's what we're going to do. So the first pass is from David's perspective. And I've said it this, this psalm prays for judgment. That's the theme of this psalm. And we'll see what is happening through the eyes of David, a real person in real time, with real emotions, real situations to deal with, and the psalm splits quite naturally into four segments. And the way we're going to do it this morning is put the four segments on the screen, and in each segment there's a key word or a key phrase that unlocks what that little segment is talking about. It's a good way to look at the Bible is read the passage, see if there's any key phrase, key word that gives you a clue as to what the passage is about. So four segments, 
So the 36 verses divided into four natural segments. Each segment has a key word. So here's segment uh, number one. It's David. I've called it his despair of himself, or if you like, his problem. And the key word in this section is the word scorn or insult. So hopefully you can see it there. So it occurs certainly in verse 7, verse 9 a couple of times, verse 10. The word scorn also occurs in verse 19 and 20. But you have other words, words like mock. So David, as he starts off this psalm, is using this key word of reproach in some versions or scorn or insult. And as you read it in verse 2, you have phrases like the, the miry depths, deep waters. At verse 4, it talks about those who hate me. It talks about in verse, in verse 8, uh, those who become a stranger. My, my own family have become strangers to me. And then in verse 12, the last verse on that screen, it says, I am the talk of those who sit in the gate and the drunkards make songs about me. So uh, David is saying, both those in the public square, those who sit at the gate, and those who sit in the public house, the drunkards, they make fun of me. And why do they do it? Well, the answer is this. It's, it's because he's taken a stand for the Lord Jesus. Um, if you look at, um, if I can find the verse... I'll find it in a second. I've probably got my notes somewhere. Verse 7. It says, um, For endure scorn for your sake. So David is saying, Because I'm standing up for God, because we're standing up for the Lord Jesus Christ, people mock me. They laugh at me. They treat me badly. And even my family don't like it. So David's problem, and he's a despair of himself, is this is the situation I'm in. There's scorn and insult and reproach, and it's all because I'm a Christian. Now, I don't know if you know that kind of feeling where you stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ and people do laugh or mock or uh, uh, joke uh, with you. But as Christians, if we are Christians, we should count it a privilege to bear the reproach of Christ. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 26, Moses, it says of this, now Moses lived one and a half thousand years before Christ. It says, Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. He was brought up in the palace. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he said, that's worth nothing. I would rather take insults for the name of Christ. And it says, and this is the reason it's given in Hebrews 11, for he was looking forward to the reward. In other words, when he put it into perspective and knew about eternal glory, he said it's worth standing up for Jesus, even if people laugh. So the first segment is David's problem. The whole idea of scorn, reproach, insult. Then in the second section, verses 13 to 21, it's David's dependence on God. It's his prayer. And the key word or the key phrase occurs three times in this section is answer me. In other words, David says, I'm going to pray. Please answer me. 
And we have it in verse 13, verse 16, and verse 17. Verse 13, as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. So David, is, the flow is this. David says, I want to follow God, but as I do so, I have to bear insult, bear reproach, take, this, take this, the scorn. And so as I do that, as I take this, this mockery, I will then come to God again and pray to him. And as we read this whole section, um, you can have a glance, you might be able to spot some of these kind of thoughts. It talks about God's steadfast love being abundant. That's in verse 13, verse 16. It talks about God's steadfast love being good. It talks about salvation being sure. It talks about God, verse 19, knowing our situation. So in verse 19, you know how I am scorned, disgraced. And shamed. He's saying, look, this is the situation I'm in, but I can pray. That is a tremendous truth to get hold of. We come to God, we plead our cause, knowing he has the power and the concern to deliver us. So whatever you've gone through this week, whatever you face this coming week, David says, his abundant love God is good. He can deliver. I trust in him. So that's the second section. The third section, verses 22 to 28, this is where it comes quite complicated or difficult to understand because in this section, there's the denunciation of his enemies. He makes this plea against, to bring judgment against the enemies. And so the key word in this section is the word let or may, those kind of words. And as you go through this section, you see that David is saying time and time again, let this happen or may this happen to my enemies. So follow the next slide there. So this section, David is pleading with God saying, bring judgment on my enemies. That's a hard thing to get your head around, isn't it? Surely... We shouldn't be praying for people to be subjected to, and the words used in this section are God's indignation and burning anger, verse 24. Surely we shouldn't be praying for punishment upon punishment, verse 27. Surely, and this is, this is strong stuff, verse 28. Surely we shouldn't be praying that they will be blotted out of the book of life. That's what David is praying in these prayers. Surely we're told, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How does this work? When David is calling judgment on his enemies, surely we want people to get to heaven. And yet David says, may they be blotted out from the book of life. That is a big concept to deal with. More of that this evening. You have to come to this tonight now, won't you? Okay. But the big truth I think it's grasp is this. David knows, verse 5, that he is sinful. In verse 5, he says, You, God, know my folly. My guilt is not hidden from you. And then in verse 28, he says that there will be those 
who are not listed with the righteous, which implies that he is listed with the righteous. So David is saying, I am sinful, verse 5, but I can be listed with the righteous, verse 28. And there are those who will be blotted out from the book of life. And David is saying, but that's not me because of the cross, and we'll come on to this in a minute, verse 21 refers to the cross. Because of the cross, I who was sinful, David says, can be made righteous. And the Bible talks about sins being blotted out or your name being blotted out. So in Isaiah 44, verse 22, it says, our sins can be blotted out. And if that's the case, then the other won't happen which is Psalm 69, verse 28, our names being blotted out from the list of the righteous. So there's these two camps. Either you're in the camp where your sins are blotted out, you can be counted with the righteous, or you're in the camp where your name is blotted out from the list of the book of life. And David says, I am sure, I am safe, because of what Christ has done for me. And then the final section, verses 29 to 36, I think um, the key word here is, is the word praise. And uh, perhaps we can see that on the next slide. The key word is praise. David says, praise or glorify or magnify those kind of words with thanksgiving. Verse 30, a couple of times. Verse 34. And so you have this difficult psalm where David is saying, life is tough. I will pray and I will call down curses on, on my enemies. But he finishes the psalm with praise. And David is saying, whatever my circumstances, I can praise God. What others, despite what others do to me, if they despise me, insult me, scorn me, uh, reproach me, I can know that God looks after me and I will praise him for that. And verse 32 that truth will cause my heart to revive. And it's a truth that I will dwell with God forever. Verses 35 and verse 36, it talks about those who love his name will dwell there in the presence of God. So God's, uh, David says, when life is tough, I will pray. I will even cause curses, to call down, curses on my enemy, but I can praise God because my eternity is secure. Because God has helped me in the past, verse 29, and because he, his love helps me in the present, verse 33, I can trust him for the future, verse 36. So that's the first pass through the psalm. Okay, that's looking at it from David's perspective. So hopefully, uh, brief, more briefly, the second pass is the, the messianic aspect of it, where the psalm points us to Jesus. Five times in the New Testament, this psalm is quoted. All right, so it's one of the, uh, a well-quoted psalm in the New Testament. So it's quoted in John's Gospel, a couple of places. It's quoted in Romans, uh, Letter to Romans, a few places. It's quoted in Acts. So this psalm is quoted in the New Testament, direct quotations. But there's more than that. There's lots of references in the New Testament referring back to this psalm. And so what I want to do is look at one particular verse in, in this psalm, which I think is an amazing reference to the Lord Jesus. And to do that, we're going to go to John 19 very briefly. And John 19, 
verses 28 to 30. So Jesus is being crucified on the cross. You okay? Excellent. You don't see my football skills, I'll trip over it. But um, John 19, verses 28 to 30. So Jesus is dying on the cross. And this is what it says. So verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus had just suffered on the cross for sins, and he had to announce to the whole world, it is finished. Yet his mouth is dry. So you can't make one of the most important announcements in the Bible with a dry mouth. Have you ever tried shouting when your mouth is... You can't do it. So he has to make this important announcement. It is finished. The work of salvation has been secured by my death on the cross, Jesus is saying. It is finished. And so he needs to have moist lips. So you have that aspect, but you have this other aspect. It says this, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And at that point, they brought to him this sort of vinegar wine on the, on the stick and put it to his mouth. As you read John 19, the thought is this, Jesus as it were, scanned the whole of the Old Testament, knowing that everything is now fulfilled. But as he scanned the whole of the Old Testament, it's almost like Jesus thought, there's still one more bit to do. They still haven't brought the vinegar to my mouth. And so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And at that point, John 19, 29, a jar of wine vinegar, uh, they put the sponge in that, and they brought it to Jesus. That is incredible, because when you come to Psalm 69, if I can find the verse, verse 21, Jesus, when he was on the cross, was looking at Psalm 69 and verse 21, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. So Psalm 69, written by David about his situation, is pointing to the life of Jesus. And Jesus, as he was on the cross, having paid for sin, said, I need to go back through the whole of the Old Testament scriptures. And seeing that this one hasn't been fulfilled yet, he said, I thirst. And at that point, they brought the wine vinegar to him, gave it to him. And at that point, Psalm 69, verse 21, was fulfilled. Psalm 69 tells us about the experiences of Jesus on the cross. That's just one of the verses. There are more in the chapter. His mind on the cross, taken back to Psalm 69, 21. 
He cried out, I thirst, so that he then could cry out, it is finished. So Psalm 69, 36 verses, a broad overview there. It's a psalm that prays for judgment. It's a psalm that points to Jesus. And uh, this evening, we'll uh, unpack it a little bit more. But that gives a bit of a flavor as to what Psalm 69 is. But the Bible's a wonderful book. And a thousand years before Christ died on the cross, it was predicted that they would give him wine vinegar to drink and that he would say, I'm thirsty. David, when he wrote that psalm, probably didn't understand the full force of what he was writing when he was speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. But he did know this, that although he was a sinner, verse 5, he could be listed with the righteous, verse 28. And he talks about the death of Christ, maybe unknown to him, but he was looking forward to the promised Messiah. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we say thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who came, who lived, who died, who rose again and is now ascending into glory. We thank you that through his death our sins can be blotted out and that our, our names do not need to be blotted out from the list of the righteous. Father, we thank you that we are secure and safe in him if we've trusted him for our salvation. Father, we do just thank you that um, whatever life's experiences uh, bring upon us, we can trust you, depend on you, and pray to you, and praise you. And may that be our experience this coming week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.